Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, Sue Uniman here, uh, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us is Rory Sutherland. Rory, how are you doing? Very well indeed, yes. Very yes. well. We just had an exciting conversation on traffic routes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so we could have gone on, really. It's a bit like being in Birmingham, isn't it, where every single social engagement starts with a discussion of which road you use yeah. to get there. Yeah. Not that I know that, because I'm very rarely in Birmingham, but... Rory is the worst graduate trainee that Ogilvy and Mather ever hired. He has since seen a stratospheric rise through the ad world to be the vice chairman of Ogilvy Group UK and also the Wikiman columnist in The Spectator. He's also been the president of the IPA, spoken at TED Talks multiple times and written The Wikiman. Interestingly, he founded the Ogilvy One, a behavioural scientist, a behavioural science practice looking for the butterfly effects in consumer behaviour, looking at the very small contextual changes which can have enormous effects on the decisions people make. Finally, you're also fam- uh, famous for flamboyantly fabulous accessories. I don't think that's all Rory's famous for. But, but probably That'll drawing, drawing a mean. crowd at uh, every time he speaks. There's actually quite a fan base out there that went, oh, is Rory coming it's in? It's very time? weird, actually, because it's what I call micro-fame. Right. And it's quite good in some senses yeah. because you don't get, you know, I don't get my car overturned by yeah. screaming yeah. Japanese schoolgirls. That would be excessive. Should we say influence? But, um, Is that what you, you are? do get this thing where you're walking through a shopping mall yeah. in Singapore and someone yeah. comes up to you and goes, Are you Rory Sutherland? Which is a bit weird. That is, that is special. Yeah. Uh, so, what are the basics to behavioural sciences that we should all learn or be aware of? Um, the first thing to learn, I think, is a very simple fact, which is that. Most people can get through business perfectly well pretending that economics is true. Mm. And there's a very interesting psychological finding here, which I think lies at the root of all this stuff. Uh, it's two French anthropologists and psychologists, um, uh, Mercier and da- Hugo Mercier and Dan Sperber. And their point is that we didn't evolve reason to make decisions. So the part of our brain that deals in reason, which we regard as the sort of pinnacle of uh, human cerebral achievement, it's not really a Stephen Hawking, it's a George Carman, by which I mean is it's not there to actually make the decisions, it's there to explain the decisions you've made and to evaluate other people's arguments yeah. while arguing your own case. So it's actually a product of us as Barrister, a social species. George Carman, yeah, George Carman. Barrister, the Barrister, George Carman, yeah. yeah. So it's actually got the mindset of a lawyer, not the mindset of a scientist. But there's a very, very strong thing which I think we need to counter, which is generally people are taught at school, first of all, that there's a single right answer to things because Mm -hmm. that's what happens at school. Now, Mm -hmm. it's a vital distinction in complex systems like marketing or psychology or individual psychology, mass human behavior, that um, the in, in physics, the opposite of a good idea is wrong. Okay, Mm -hmm. you don't want this experimental mindset when you're designing a Boeing 787. You know, there is kind of a right answer in engineering terms. In marketing, in anything psychological, actually the opposite of a good idea can be another good idea. Yes. And yet we're taught that that everything in life is a kind of optimization problem where we're struggling towards the single right answer. And that to me seems to be highly damaging to capitalism because it's making companies more and more alike. You know, you know, mm. if you like, so financial analysts impose the same criteria on different countries, companies in a mm. in a category. I would argue WPP's made that mistake. 
that it set the same financial targets for every organization. Mm. Well, surely you should have high-risk businesses and low-risk businesses. The financial targets you set and the time frames you set should be wildly different. So you were talking about homogeneity. Yeah, I can't say it. Homo- homo- homogeneity. Homogeneity yeah, yeah. in terms of algorithms for travel advice. And it applies so to do, everything. Do you think it's, it's, it's like that's the enemy? There's a, that fun- word I can't there's say. a fundamental <laughs> assumption, which is that collective rationality emerges from lots and lots of individual rationality. Now, economists tend to think this. Um, zoologists don't. So in the insect world, lots and lots of biases among termites and ants in their yeah, behaviour. Yeah actually aggregate to Mm. um, what you might call a collective intelligence. And I would argue that messiness in markets aggregates information from lots and lots of different consumers, making decisions with different biases Mm. in different contexts, Mm. and it aggregates to an intelligent market. Now, if you think of the marriage market, okay, if you imposed the same universality on finding a partner so that attractiveness of women was actually down to an algorithm which was like height divided by shoe size or something... The marriage market would turn into a total mess. The reason this thing kind of works is that people are allowed to have different tastes, preferences, and so forth. And so there's a really interesting question here, which is just that um, fundamentally, I think, a lot of people leave school thinking that life is like a maths problem. It's an optimization problem. Have you heard the John Finnemore sketch? No, go. Oh, the, jo- the John Finnemore sketch, which I'll just do really briefly, which is um, the maths teacher taking over the English A-level class because the English teacher's away. Oh, joy. And the question is, you know, how is Macbeth feeling at this moment? And all the, you know, all the kids do all their long, complicated answers, and in the end, he just went, right, right, 75% envy, 25% guilt. Next question. <laughs> I have no idea why this is supposed to be such Perfect. a complicated subject. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And so what we're, what we're trying to do is we're essentially using the wrong maths and the wrong science to look at what we do. And you know, first of all, you know, human psychology is a product of evolution. It is not a product of design. And things which are evolved need to be evaluated and understood in a much wider context than things that are designed. You know, if there's an item in your car, it probably performs a single well-defined function. Mm-hmm. If there's an item in your body, I mean, your mouth can, is there to breathe through, to speak yeah. with, to uh, eat through, uh, to vomit well, through. And it's all this truth know. about neuroscience that, you know, people are really, your real neuroscientists are still not really sure what any of it does. And they were, so they were, I was, there's a new book out, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but I was reading about it, that says about memory that says you can indeed expand one part of your hippocampus to expand memory, but if you do do that, another bit shrinks. Uh, is that the cab drivers thing, where they did notice unusual uh, growth in the hippocampus of people doing the yes, knowledge? Yes, the cab drivers thing, yeah. that's right, but another bit shrinks, yeah. So that's interesting, because the hippocampus is probably the memory bit to an extent, but, isn't but, it? But, yeah. but the point being that people The point being know. that there's a trade-off, yeah. yeah, and nobody knows for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, so the first thing, I mean, one of the things I recommend to people, you asked at one point the question, what would I recommend? One, one thing to do, I think, is to learn to do cryptic crosswords if you're working in the marketing industry. That sounds very strange advice. Mm. American listeners will be baffled because they don't have cryptic crosswords. By the way, if you want Americans to think you're a genius, just get quite good at cryptic crosswords because they refuse to believe this yeah. is really yeah, a thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm with them, really. You're with yeah. them. Yeah. I, I, I can't do are. them, yeah. There's a... But the great thing about the cryptic crossword... Because it's a trick, distinct, right, though, the cryptic crossword? It's, 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 it's a trick. What it is, is there's... Technique. Th- essentially, there's a surface meaning to the yeah. clue and there's a real meaning yeah. to the clue. 
And actually, human understanding humans is a bit like this. There's a surface explanation, yeah. which is, you know, perfectly rational, plausible, ostensible explanation for why I bought this car. Yes. And then there's a cryptic yeah. explanation, which is underneath. Mm. And of course, a lot of people look at a crossword clue and just go, I can make no sense of this. <laughs> You're claiming that the answer is deer, okay? And yet there's no mention of deer or indeed any quadruped in the clue. Now, actually, this is a fantastic example of a clue. Mm. There is a mention of deer in the clue, Quadruped. and it's does, but everybody reads the word does as does. Yeah. So it's, it's clear that ends yeah. with the word okay. as yeah. so yeah. and so yeah. does, yeah. for yeah. instance. Yeah. And does, for instance, is the, the clue is basically the clue to deer. Yeah. But 99% of people, unless you've done a lot of crosswords, will find it that totally inexplicable. There's a very good BBC podcast which talks to the setters, the f most famous cryptic crossword setters, which talks about there's there's a set li list of how many different types of clues are there. Some are wordplay, some are the Zim word is split. The, uh, yeah, oh, very good. The, uh, yeah. um, which, if anyone wants to, that that's where to start. It's a really but good place. But it's a beautiful thing, A, because you can make Americans think you're bullshitting them, because they <laughs> genuinely cannot believe. Very interesting, they're only, um, so the whole of the, the kind of what you might call the Commonwealth does, you know, I think the Times is licensed to the Times of India, Australia, yeah, Canada, right. New Zealand do them. Also Poland and Israel. And those oh. seem to be the only countries where the kind of cryptic thing exists. Mm. And Americans claim that the New York Times crossword is cryptic. It's total bullshit. It's <laughs> yeah. a totally childish, uh, you know, simple crossword. Um, but um, what's interesting about it is it's the exercise of saying, yes, that's what it appears to mean. But yeah, let's I decode it. Let's, yeah. Yeah, so it's a kind it. of yeah. Bletchley act, act of, of of decoding and in the same way human behavior this is before i even get to behavioral economics yep. in a sense it has a surface explanation which is the plausible explanation and then there's the real explanation and the the book to read about all this i've mentioned uh, mercier and spurburn and yep. some very good people have said it's probably this is the most important theory in psychology in many years that actually you know although we're extraordinarily good at reasoning we don't really use it in deciding what to do individually at all. Mm. It's the, is it the cats and water? That was the uh, uh, well, cats taking a bath. Is that Kahneman? Which is that, yes, yeah. I think it might be Kahneman that yeah. uh, cats can swim just as humans can reason. We just really don't like it yes. very much. <laughs> and the interesting thing with business is the currency of all business decision making is now based on the assumption that the better the reasoning you can display mm. the better your decision mm. and that's actually not true the best decision is the one that's empirically best mm. you know the one that works best in reality yeah. but there's this fundamental belief that essentially it's all about defending your job that if you make a seemingly rational decision that goes bad mm. you yeah. never get into that's, trouble that's right, yeah. and if you make an irrational decision which goes bad it's career ending yeah. Sure. So there's this huge effort. I would say that well, ninety percent of the it depends on the KPI, then, doesn't it? Well, so, no, so I, I think that ninety no, percent of the activity inside this office, my no, office, no, that no, office, no, no, but it's it, us covering. But, but that does depend on what your key. And when I say KPI, I don't necessarily mm. mean the KPI you've been set. But, but that's what, a management problem because yes. actually the truth is is that for an individual, it may well be that their most immediate concern is keeping their job irrespective of... Oh, yes, no, 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 it's perfectly in many so, cases, so, it's perfectly rational. But even uh, emotional, though. I would say that 50... I mean, if you look at something like a bloody RFP now, OK, how, how much of the information there really needs to be there in order to make a decision, OK? And yet, you know, if I, there are probably more people in Ogilvy writing RFPs at the moment than writing ads. <laughs> 
So we've created this huge techno bureaucratic. I'm not sure cast. we've created it, but it has. We've created it as a response. Well, well technology maybe has enabled it. So yeah. actually, technology has probably allowed people to demand a level of documentation for every decision. Mm. Which is, you know, in the good old days, it was accepted that it was expensive to well, produce. Well, it's bureaucracy, I think, though, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, the, the the bureaucrats. So, so I'm a bit of a Marxist in this, but actually, I'm not hostile to capital. It's the bureaucratic yeah. middle class that really needs a cull. Right, I'm going to okay. move us on sorry. to that to no, our next question. On that you. basis, we're going to yeah, we're going to yeah. take yeah. to the streets after this, maybe. Um, favorite example of a nudge. Um, oh gosh, so many. Um, yeah. So. Let me give you one that we did, which I just find really interesting because it's, um, uh, I think it's worth a huge amount of money. This is, this comes down to the whole thing about are people making decision X because that's what they want? Yes. Or are they making that decision because the environment is driving them to make that decision? And when you see a huge homogeneity in human behavior, quite often it's not a product actually of the fact that lots of people have identical tastes. Mm. Yeah. There's something in the system yeah. that's skewing it, mm. okay? Now, so here's, an in here's a really interesting case. I've long argued that too many people drink wine in restaurants, and that's because restaurants skew you towards drinking wine. I'm a bit of a wine sceptic. If you want me to be absolutely frank, I, you know, I think a lot of it's bullshit. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to be honest, not all the time, not all people. A lot of people would much rather have a gin and tonic or a cocktail or a mm. beer yeah, no, okay, than have wine. I mean, and you feel, rose, but you feel such a rosé. That stuff at Cannes, that domain a, dot, is piss, <laughs> isn't it? It's total piss. There are people paying sort of 200 bloody yeah. euros for a magnum. Um, but <laughs> I, but it, it, you, you are made to feel a bit of a... Uh, uh, unsophisticated uh, yeah, person. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're honest about what you want to drink at dinner, yeah. Whereas, of course... If you think about it mathematically, cocktails are bound to be better than wine, aren't they? Because you have one drink which you can make from any mixture of all the liquids yeah. in creation yeah. and yeah. another drink which has to be made from the grapes, grapes in that field over there. Yeah. So what are the odds that, seriously, the best drink you can make yeah. comes from that field? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's bonkers. Or, or that you'll always be in the mood for that drink. Uh, no, yeah. precisely. Yeah. I think, I think, so what restaurants do is they put wine glasses on the table. They make a huge margin from yeah. wine, that's yeah. why, because yeah. nobody knows what it costs to begin with. Yeah. And so you put wine glasses on the table, you have a drinks list, which is called the wine list. Yeah. Mm. And then you have um, uh, a, um, a huge number of wines in the wine list. And then there's a crappy back page with a few beers and a couple of, you know, a yeah. couple of spirits. Yeah. Okay. And then you hand out only one wine list to the table. Now, at that point, the guy with the wine list, what can he do? He just turns to the table and goes red or white. Yeah. And at that point, it's game over for the gin drink. Because the decision's mm. already been I mean, been by the made. way, if we've got a if you've got brewery clients, you must have some yeah, beer. Yeah, clients. we do. We mean, God's sake, they've got to, someone's got to start making massive bottles of beer so that beer becomes a be shareable shared. drink. Yeah. You know, yeah. Pims is the only other one. I suppose tequila in a kind of weird, but you probably can't do that at the Ivy, can you? You know, you can't go okay, slammers all round. <laughs> you know, but. Um, but actually, other than Pims, there aren't really any shareable drinks. And I, think, I think that could be a challenge, Rory. You could take me to the... We could see how that goes. I will pay my own way to be there. <laughs> okay, although in the evening, we can go and have a barbecue at Glyndebourne, which yeah. is the other really yeah, naff yeah, thing yeah. I've always wanted to do. But, um, the, um, 
But the interesting thing is there that the environment often controls the behaviour. Now, there are really interesting things. For example, if you say tea or coffee after a meal, about 80% of people will have coffee. If there's a tea menu, though, which mm. says, you know, Darjeeling yeah. this, monkey yeah, pick yeah, that, yeah. actually the majority of people have tea. Mm. So preferences are hugely contextually determined, and that's because human perception is yeah. massively contextually determined. So here's my little nudge. That, here's the favourite nudge that I've done. It's not yeah. my favourite nudge. But, I mean, you yeah. know, really important things like the opt-out pension, you know, are mm. really, really important mm. ideas. By the way, I think there's more going on there than they realise. It's not just about the default is you have a pension. It's about social confidence, which is that we instinctively feel comfortable having a pension that's the same pension as the pension lots of people around us in the office have. Okay. And the reason for that is, if you think about it, in terms of animal herd behaviour, zoology, biology, etc., is a much better, evolutionary biology is a much better tool to understand markets and marketing than maths or economics or physics, yeah. recently. Yeah. Now, think about it in herds. Why do animals herd together? Because you actually would get more grass as an antelope wandering off on your own, yeah. right? But the trouble then is you've got to spend half your time looking out for predators and half your time eating grass. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a big herd, all you need to notice is that one of your other antelopes is getting a bit skittish and you've got an early warning yeah. signal. Yeah. Similarly, in the office, I'm not remotely interested in my pension performance. I don't understand it. Um, yeah. I have total blind spots. But what I do know, if everybody in Ogilvy has the same pension and they start whacking the fees up, I wouldn't notice in 100 years, okay? But some sad bugger in the finance department probably will, okay? And so I'm relying on people more paranoid than me. Yeah. It's a bit like men actually have tidier ha houses when they get married because they rely on someone who just cares about it a yeah. bit more than they do, yeah, okay? Definitely. You know, and so in the same way, the guy in the finance department is going to care about pension performance a yeah. bit more than I will. Yeah. So when we all have the same pension, I can profit from his vigilance. Yeah. And now... So in the same way, I think what happens is what they realised there, it, when they got this much lower rate of opting out, is I think they made two discoveries, one of which right. is defaults matter, yeah. but actually that there's a fundamental difference to the level of fear yeah. of having a pension so everyone, when everybody else, else around you this. does. Yeah. Okay, And that's, by the way, why fa it's quite rational to buy famous brands, yeah. which yeah. is if there's a problem, you're going to yeah, get to hear good, about it. It's a good bet. Okay? Yeah. You know, if you've got a British gas energy yeah. bill and you've got a BT thing... You know, if anything goes significantly wrong, it gets yeah, into the Daily yeah. Mail. You know, I'm sure I can save 1.3% by um, getting my energy through Zog, yeah. okay? But they might suddenly put the price up by 20% and I'll never get to find out. Yeah. So... Um. To, to, no, no, no. So I mentioned beer, but I'm just going to mention my favourite, my oh, favourite nudge that, that, that I've I've done personally yeah. right, yes, as, as, yeah. as as a boast. Right. So, um, everybody who orders a pizza basically orders it as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. bear in mind what I said. When everybody does the same thing, there's an opportunity there because it's more uniform than behaviour would be naturally. Yeah. yeah. Now this causes a problem. If you think about it, if you ring up Domino's or you yeah. ring up Pizza Hut. They don't say, when do you want it? Unless you specifically stipulate, I yeah. don't want it till after, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, after a certain time, okay? Uh, they'll basically deliver it as soon as possible. So it's yeah. all done on a just-in-time yeah. assumption. If you go to the app, the default is ASAP. Yeah. If you go to the website, the yeah. default is ASAP, yeah. okay? And I said, well, actually, this is creating a problem because if you look at um, Eli Goldratt's theory of constraints, 
the big obstacle to selling more pizzas isn't demand, it's actually a shortage of bike riders on Friday and Saturday night. Because yeah. on Friday and Saturday night, lots of people order pizzas because yeah. they're having a party. Yeah. But because there are parties, 18-year-olds don't want to ride mopeds, they want yeah. to go to parties. Yeah. So you have this imbalance between demand and ability to supply. And I said, look, if you could actually get rid of this just-in-time thing and create a buffer you could put more than one delivery on one bike. So in, mm. within, within a 25-minute period, you get uh, you know, three orders from Eastern Golders Green yeah, and yeah. three orders from Western Golders yeah. Green. Yeah. And rather than going out, back, out, back, out, back twice, yeah. you could actually do two bikes rather than six. Yeah. Right? Mm. And they said, yeah, but everybody, look, everybody wants a pizza as soon as possible. But I said, that's because of the, the context within which yeah. they order them. Yeah. Test. And I, and I got one pizza firm to test this. Okay. First of all, test it in two ways. First of all, try just making the default duration longer. So instead of ASAP, it's 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 yeah. minutes, an hour, 55 minutes, whatever. Secondly, try expressing it as a time of day. Because then some people may go, actually, I wanted to arrive at half time rather than in the middle yeah. of, right. I'm not a great football expert, but right. I think I'm getting yeah. that terminology yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, what they found was that two things. First of all, you could get up to three deliveries on one bike because you could push the default out to an hour mm. without losing significant sales. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, some people would still push it back in again yeah. to as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah. A lot of people didn't. They went, yeah, 8.30 eight is fine. Yeah. The second weird thing, which we never even anticipated, is that customer satisfaction went up 50%. Right. Because people weren't disappointed. Now, yeah. The reason I give that example is something, and the, the other people on my team were really weirded out by how pleased I was with that. Well, A, actually, it has huge significance to the worldwide pizza delivery. Yeah. Uh, what we got paid for it, by the way, is zero, but never yeah, mind, yeah, okay? That's, that's, that's how we get paid as a business. Yeah. The fatal thing with the advertising business, okay, is that the people at the top think that what makes money is what's valuable. Mm. And there's no connection in the advertising business between where you add value and where you make money. So if you look at a balance sheet and try and understand marketing services, you'll get it completely wrong. Mm. It's like those bars that there used to be in Soho, you know what I mean, where apparently, I've never been there, okay, <laughs> where you know, a, a half-naked girl would sell you a bottle of cider claiming it was champagne for 200 quid yeah. and then sit and talk to you, right? Now, if you're an accountant, you look at that business and you go, well, we seem to have a hugely valuable bar business here, but these girls seem to be a complete overhead. Sure. Mm -hmm. And what the ad industry has forgotten is actually, if you don't have the, the inefficient bits, yeah. you, can't charge for, yeah. <laughs> you can't charge for the other bits. Yeah. And anyway, but, anyway I, I, but I digress. What's interesting to me about that is it's exactly what I think marketing has lost, which is the ability to look at something as a Sudoku problem, mm -hmm. which is... Like a Sudoku, I've talked about crosswords already. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting about Sudokus is that you can't chop them into nine squares, hand them to nine different people and say, can you solve the bottom left-hand corner? Okay, And by separating media and creative, oh, which is a totally deranged and, is, and unnecessary no, I'm decision. I'm sorry, I've got to, I can't, there, there I can't no just reason. let this go. There was, no, it's completely... There was, there, there, no, was, there was significant reasons. Where was the client benefit other than the financial Independent benefit? advice. But why was the advice not independent before? Were you all lying in the past? Well, <laughs> the the advice wasn't independent in the past. And this is a big topic. But essentially, the reason why the market has gone the way that it's done is because there was a business model in the advertising agencies that existed in the past yeah. to make ads and the, for telly. And yes. therefore the recommendations that tended to come through the company were television. That might be an argument for payment by the hour, not commission. Well, I mean, that that was 
empirically what happened. I mean, evidentially what happened. But I mean, I was there. But, but what, what you are doing is you're separating a problem into two parts, and you can't separate out what you say from who you say it to and when you say it. Now, at the moment it happened, you could argue when it was a very TV and mass media dominated industry. I actually worked on a client who um, incentivised their agency to make ads other than television ads which then meant that they pushed through recommendations for press ads. Uh, the creative instinct to use television, of course, may not have been entirely wrong. I'm not suggesting... I'm just, I'm just going I'm to, not, I'm to say the fact that creatives love television is undoubtedly moving pictures mm -hmm. uh, aired in a mass setting probably have, like and, outdoor. And television is a strong and, again, evidentially proved medium, but it doesn't mean that it was always the right answer. But I would argue, but I would argue what's happened now is the opposite, which is that media is looked at as a distribution problem. And so the what you might call the psychological and tacit elements of it are now undervalued. They might have been overvalued before, in that creative people wanted to produce something spectacular. But if you look at media as an efficiency optimization problem, right. which, which a lot of people are doing, not you, I'm not suggesting for a second that you would do it, because you're a media planner and the best one there is, well, right? Well, that's very but, kind, but... No, 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 but. No. <laughs> there is, but you're but you're talking about things. Well, actually, we're both talking about the same problem because we're talking about things not being done well. Right. And it's the difference actually between the execution and the tactics and the strategy, isn't it? Very fair. And in, in that sense, we are both right and both wrong because the the, the question then becomes, what's the structure will, that will that will give you the best nudges to everybody giving you the right answer and your right to bring back in payment. I think because we made a mistake in that we outcomes. were too stingy and tried to achieve horizontality uh, without investment. And I think if you want to achieve that, what, what exactly both of us, I think, aspire to is you need some sort of meta-discipline that looks, that looks at business problems before you get to any particular yeah, specialism. Well, you've talked about this before, yeah. Uh, and I think, you know... Um, but that's not necessarily what clients want from their agencies so for example moment. so is that great western released a really lovely ad um this the, week yeah. uh with the famous five and it was animated yeah, yeah, and they spent yeah, a lot of money distributing they've won, they've it won awards for that for the gwr stuff yeah i yeah. haven't seen it i need to see it i'll, I'll show it's, you after it's this it's in the ipa um uh effectiveness awards yeah but are you saying is it would it have been better if they just taken that money and made their services better made, ran a couple more trains uh, is that this is gets well, very that's a complicated question isn't it yeah uh, okay there, there, there's a very uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to quote ludwig von mises here that yeah. there is no <laughs> objective measure of service quality now everybody who yeah. runs trains likes to think it's all about punctuality mm. It's very easy to believe something like that because there isn't a competitive market in trains. Sure. Now, actually, you know, if, if you had true rail competition, yeah, what you discover is that uh, overemphasizing the importance of metrics uh, like punctuality and yeah. speed, uh, simply because they're mathematically expressible, over metrics like comfort customer service yeah. and emotional metrics, is a very very dangerous habit, yeah. which um, which is. It's actually called, the, there's a name for it, it's called the McNamara effect, mm. or the McNamara fallacy, and it comes from the um, Minister of Defence in the United States during the Vietnam War, who was obsessed with using metrics to fight the Vietnam War, Yeah, and the metric of choice became body count. Okay, which, park the ethics for a second, which yeah. patently is not a very nice metric to begin with. 
Um, body count might have been a kind of okay metric in World War One, if you want to be really callous Fine, about this. Yeah, but in a guerrilla conflict, yeah. if you kill someone, it often creates three extra volunteers. Yeah. If you kill someone unjustly, you create six new volunteers for yeah. the Viet Cong. There's a fabulous... I'm, I'm going to interrupt. There's a fabulous podcast talking about that. There's a guy called Jocko who is an ex-Navy SEAL and now he's got his own podcast and he does leadership training and that sort of stuff. And he interviewed an ex-Navy an ex-Vietnam Navy SEAL, uh, a Vietnam vet who was a Navy SEAL. And he talks about this exactly about how his, his job was so much more difficult because the government was trying to blow them away and it just wasn't working because every time they killed one it recruited six and made their cause stronger. The VC was kind of anti-fragile to use Nassim's phrase which is that if you unless you eliminated it completely uh, actually it, you made it stronger by attacking it's it. the Borg yeah. from Star Trek. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I've got completely forgotten. Actually, I'm not sure if Nassim was a Star Trek fan. I'll have to no, pass no, that on. I just yeah. yeah, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, and I suppose the um, of course the, the classical literature has the version of the Borg, which is the thing you chop its head off and yes, ten more grow in its yeah. place. Yeah. The, hyd no, the hydra, the hydra, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be the hydra. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, and so so there's a huge there's a huge danger here in in terms of our obsession, and I think it reflects what well, we're taught at school. It's back to your pizza as well, isn't it? It's back to the pizza thing as well, which is you're assuming, actually, time is an incredibly subjective measure. Very bendable. And, and one of the interesting things they've noticed since they had Wi-Fi on trains is a very strange phenomenon, which is trains get in and people don't get off. And actually, maybe the problem sometimes more is that GWR's Wi-Fi isn't necessarily... Yeah, yeah, actually, that's why I said the service. I didn't um, say punctuality. We're going to have to move on to the other Yeah, Rory. Rory. I'm going to run out. Okay, we're gonna run the, the, out this is really important because it's important for the environmental movement as well, yeah. okay? Because environmentalists tend to hate advertising, but I would argue that satisfying human desires through meaning mm. rather than materials mm. is more environmentally friendly. I mean, it's a very weird thing to say that it's actually better that someone with £2,000 spends it on a mulberry bag than spends it on, uh, you know, 56 bags from Primark. Mm. But that may actually be true in environmental costs. Okay, what you're paying is you're yeah, buying labour and meaning. Was, uh, talking about on the radio this morning, actually, that it's uh, it's uh, that, that no one talks about the environmental problem of um, fast fashion. No, no, actually, actually, no, no. Uh, uh, this is. A, do you want really? Have, uh, we've already had an argument about media. Now we're going to have a gender-based argument. Let's, okay. let's definitely let's, not no, no, do that. Let's, no, no, let's definitely no, no, not no, 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 get into that. Because go, one of the things I like, I, I'm a huge, by the way, a huge fan of the basic aims, means, and and uh, wishes of the uh, gender diversity uh, campaigns worried, in worried. the advertising industry. Yeah. And, uh, I, you realise I'm basically walking on the edge of I'm a, really worried. A, a, a cliff here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of the diagnosis and some of the prescriptions are very, very wrong because they're overly simplistic. This okay. is what Jordan Peterson says. Uh, yeah, I'm actually. I mean, I, I'm not as far far out as he is. No, 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 but no. but some of it. By the way, some of it's nothing to do with gender at all. Actually, which is that if you make it essential for anybody at the top of advertising to work sort of 12 hours a day in a totally weird and obsessive way, which women are probably, there are fewer women prepared to do that than men mm -hmm. because women are actually probably have a more, you know, what you might call the single issue obsessive. Most train spotters are men, right? Yeah. Okay. Course fishing. You don't get, you know, it's not yeah. a wide yeah. gender bias yeah. there. Okay. Uh, not only are you missing out on loads and loads of good female candidates, you're also missing out on loads uh, of more chilled yeah. male candidates. Uh, that's absolutely right. Uh, uh, but have you, have, you, have you read my book? That is exactly the, our, our, our thesis, is really? that is that it's about a 
a, a toxic patriarchal system as the norm, which well, is well, bad for all sorts well, of people. I'll be absolutely honest with you, okay? Now, um, you know, I don't think I would have made it in this business if I didn't drink. Now, I don't drink very much. I'm not suggesting I'm some massive yeah. user. But it suddenly occurred to me that in the first 10 years of my career, yeah. if I hadn't spent a lot of time going out and necking pints with other people, yeah. I mean, learning from them. I'm you, not suggesting it was probably, No, but you probably would have been too much of an outlier because you're quite an outlier in terms of Yeah, yeah, there's classic. a limit to how outlier you can be in all dimensions. Yes, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, I think um, that's right. And so, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. Not that for we're advising our listeners to go out drinking. No, 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 of course, no, 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 no responsibly, drink, but always drink, work responsibly. Enjoy responsibly. responsibly. Enjoy yeah. responsibly. Um, but, but, I mean, you know, there are, there are those, I mean, it's, but it's a, comp this is what I'm saying again, it's a complex it's a compl system. Yeah. yeah. In a complex system, there is a reason, there is um, unconscious bias. It may not be gender bias, okay, yeah. it may be status quo bias. Okay. Now, you know, it's probably be really blunt. But it um, comes to the same thing. The HR thing. department in most agencies is a bit of a matriarchy. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. I would, as a bit of a hardcore Darwinist, ask the cheeky question, do HR departments have a weird um, preference for hiring men because they feel they might be protected against tigers? No, I'm only no, teasing. No, but I actually think what, what, they're, what they're doing is they're... Uh, fulfilling the existing brief and the existing brief the existing so brief many is, times yeah. is get someone like me so so, mm. so so the thing that we say is is that if I say to Andrew we're going to promote you but we can't promote you until you get a number two who can do your job for you your instinct is to go well look I'm about to be promoted I'm really good aren't I yeah. so if I get someone exactly like me they will be really good. And the fact that that's actually the opposite of often of what's needed for the health of a business, actually he should get someone exactly the opposite of him to complement his strengths, that's, that's, that takes hard work thinking. Whereas to issue a brief that says, find me someone exactly like me Which is, is This is where I get to my thing about hire people in groups. Because when you do that, you'll look for complementarity. Yes. When you hire people yes. one at a time, you yes. look for conformity. Exactly. There are other things, by the way, which are really interesting to look at. And this is the, the, the only the only thing that will get me angry in this debate. I entirely support its <laughs> aims. Okay. By the way, I also think uh, that in uh, 20 to 25 years' time, we'll have the opposite problem, Whoa. which is that marketing services will actually be overwhelmingly female at all levels and in all disciplines. I I, I would be interested to it, whether you would stake money on it because certainly the trends don't look like that at the moment. Uh, the it, well, it's certainly in the course of my lifetime, it's trended that way. In fact, most of my working life, my boss has been female. At Ogilvy, we don't have a single... I think Ogilvy is an outlier. It, yeah, it is a bit. It's yeah. a massive yeah. outlier. Yeah. Listen, we should, ought to move to our part two questions because yeah, I'm worried about, ru about running out of time. people want to know you. about you. Yes. Very specifically oh, okay. about yeah. you. Can I just one thing that's You've really done interesting? done this twice to me, this, 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 really this is the okay, last time. This is the last time I again. Yeah. There's a really interesting... I've got two daughters, twin daughters of 17. I desperately would love them to do STEM subjects, and I mm. can't get them to do it. One of them's doing philosophy and psychology, which I guess is a student. Yeah. Okay. Now, the interesting thing there, and this is an interesting explanation, is women are not disinclined necessarily to do mathematics or science because they're worse at science than men. Yeah. It's because there are fewer women than men who are shit at English history and humanities subjects. And so what tends to happen is, if you look at the actual results, if you, people who are equally good at both tend to do a humanities subject. If you're equally good at, say, maths and history, yeah. those people tend to do history, for whatever reason. Okay? Mm -hmm. 
The reason lots of men do STEM subjects is there's a large proportion of men who are significantly better at the STEM subject and they're a bit crap at English, exactly like your comedy sketch, okay? 75% angry. Yeah. And, you know, you see that, that actuaries, okay? Yeah. We, you know, uh, do you really expect a 50-50 gender split in the actuarial profession in 20 years' time? I wonder why that is. No uh, is, you, no you say, you say for, No, no, but you say for whatever reason, I wonder why that is then. Because, because again, and look, we've really got to move to part okay, two. No, 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 but no, if no, you no, look no. at then long term, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my sentence and then ask you one of the questions in question two. I'm going to jump to it. Um, just start with the first one. Start with the, this one. That one. So... Um, rationally your job prospects are now you know would tend you towards stem subjects and math subjects so anyone who's thinking rationally about it at that point but listen don't answer me because i'm going to ask you one of our first questions which is my favorite question go on which is if you were a genie what five commonly available objects would i have to put in a magic circle to summon you Oh, I see. It's interesting. Uh, how big is this? Man? I mean, would an Indian it's restaurant? A, yes, it's, it's an infinite. Indian it's infinite. You know, an Indian restaurant. Oh, I have told chain them. Yeah. In which case, if the thing's okay. not constrained yeah. by size, yeah, vast chain of Indian restaurants. Brilliant. Um, That's the biggest object we've ever got. Yeah, okay. Excellent. excellent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dishoom or something. We're going okay. in there. Yeah, Great. Yeah, there. It's really cool. Um, which we don't use in the Indi- We don't use in our community enough Indian restaurants. I don't think. I don't know why we don't go enough, but we don't go enough. I don't. We always go in the industry. We don't go to Indian restaurants enough. You're absolutely right. We go. There's, there's a Asian form of cuisine. commonality and classlessness to the curry, mm. which you don't achieve with any other kind of food. Which is weird. It's like the smoking room. You remember when they used to have a smoking room? The great thing about the smoking room was it was a complete cross-section of the company. Per- yeah. Personally, I think that's true. Personally, though, I, I do prefer it at dinner rather than at lunch. And I wonder if... Yeah, Ned said that. It's, I think that's a, cowardice, the, to be honest. No, no, no. But I wonder because <laughs> if, if we're if in our community, in our advertising, no, it is, it, yeah. we're more lunchy people yeah. than dinner. That may explain perhaps. it. But yeah. anyway... Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right, though. I think that's a very important insight because it's rather like when pubs do food, yeah. they become less democratic. Yes. Because yes, yes, yes. now you've got to pitch your food at a particular market segment, whereas mm. a pub, a really, the difference between a good pub and a great pub is a great pub should be totally classless, by which I mean is there should be a few posh people in there. That's why I like East Kent, by the way. You get this extraordinary community Pickled where... eggs on the bar. Well, I mean, you will literally have pickled eggs, but you also get, I mean, I remember being in a pub and it's like two taxi drivers, the guy who used to be in charge of the armed division of the Metropolitan Police, yeah. a manager at Goldman Sachs and me, all having a yeah. pint. That's what it should be like. Sounds yeah. all sounded like men. Right, yeah, yeah. second object. No, 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 Let's <laughs> not, not answer that one. Yeah. Second, <laughs> object. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second object. Um, uh, second object would be cryptic crossword, again, for the okay, reason good. I gave yep, before. Um, uh, any kind of little puzzle like that fascinates me. But what I love is the difference, as I said, between the, the surface meaning and the real meaning. And what, what is the time, you mentioned the times, is the time... It, it's kind of... My grandmother taught me to do it. She yeah. did it every day um, uh, until she was about 85. And... Um, she never won, by the way. She won the Spectator and the Sunday Telegraph and yeah. a few others. She never won. Um, but uh, I used to go meet her after school on Saturday and she taught me to do the Times, so it has a particular meaning. That's I also lovely. think it is the kind of benchmark. Yeah, that's lovely. The uh, London probably. Times. I mean, they're all, they're all pretty good. If you're starting off, do the Telegraph first because it's probably a bit easier. Will it ease you in? And yeah. It'll ease you in. All right, fine. Um, so that, a cryptic crossword would be another one. Um... Uh, East Kent, that's getting the circle even larger. Oh. Yeah. I have a particular. Uh, that's not available. I can't no, put that. No, you can't no, put no, it. No, so no, Curry House will fit in. Yes. Curry House is commonly available, but East Kent is a is an individ- is a unique item. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes. Okay, oh, I see. It's got it's got to be generic because it. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, da 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 da. Uh, crikey. It could be. A, I mean, I don't know what you like about East Kent. It could be a bucket in Spain if you're thinking of seaside. Oh yeah, no. Um, yeah, the second best. If I can put it in a generic thing, yeah. the second or third best of everything. Okay. So let me explain this, okay? <laughs> that satisficing, this is getting a very large circle, okay? <laughs> very I mean, large satisficing is a really interesting thing to understand, yeah. which is that um, if you go for a lot, of ad, a lot of ad people, because they're obsessed with signaling, are obsessed with the best thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always argue, for instance, mm -hmm. okay, that Deal or Folkestone or Broadstairs are actually the best seaside towns in Britain because yeah. they're not as good as Sulcombe. Yes. And that when things become very, very good, the competition for them becomes insane okay. to a point where it's a price not worth paying. Okay. Okay. So if you go to Italy, don't go to uh, you know Florence or Milan yeah. right. or Venice. Go to say Luca. Okay. Okay. Mm. Or Siena or something. Yeah. So I'm not sure how we could get deal, folks. To oh, satisfying is a concept. No, yeah. No. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm still we struggling for an object. For... Ironically, okay. and a second bottle on a wine menu. Okay. Well, they just like yeah, wine. so that's that's exactly yeah. that kind yeah. of thing, which is actually generally. Uh, I mean, well, uh, I mean, it's also. I mean, I. I so, another so, way you could represent it yeah. is sherry. In other words, go, look sherry. for the thing that's undervalued because right. sherry is a miraculously so, but brilliant a nice drink. bottle of sherry. Yeah, and the reason for that is that for totally gratuitous reasons of just fashion and yes. the fact that the context in which it was drunk has disappeared. And they stopped advertising it, of course. And they stopped advertising it. Because it was wonderful. Right. My childhood was a wonderful... Uh, um, uh, uh, Chris Forrest told me you'll love this one, OK? Which is, um, he one of his first experiences of doing a research group was when a very crusty old man said, all this business of advertising is absolutely nonsense. He said, it doesn't have any effect on me. The, I drink Harvey's Bristol Cream because it's the best sherry in the world. And he completely missed the fact that the advertising line for Harvey's Bristol Cream the for the previous 50 years had been the best <laughs> and, sherry and, and in the world. And Orson Welles, of course, the great Orson Welles. Uh, exactly. Gorgeous as anyway, right? Anyway, so that's true. So, We're that's putting that's a so sherry, things that are underrated. Right, um, gin, I would have said, yeah, you know, yeah, five years ago, but I can no longer say that. So There's the a huge art in looking for things that are undervalued by yeah. just seeing how other people are driven by their context or by social copying. Mm. And to borrow from BBH when everybody else zigs, zag. Well, yeah. and also sometimes I'll put in Brexit you, for well, the same well, reason. Well, I think it has value just as an act of perversity. Can we put Brexit in the circle? No, I'll get I'll just okay, lose yeah. my job. Um, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I no, but there, there is a there's a uh, a great line which is actually from a very funny um, uh, uh, online video, which basically is all about sometimes the things that you pay more for are not better. Mm. So it, the particular sketch is about sheets and the number of what is it thread thread count. Thread Ooh, count. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Right. So I personally much prefer a two hundred thread count to, to a thousand thread count that's interesting yes very very expensive bathroom towels aren't very good either because yeah, they they're too soft. too soft, too soft exactly. you want them yeah. a bit rough oh, yeah. so if you if you spend too much exactly. big fan of mattress toppers though are you a mattress topper fan in the bedding front <laughs> no, no they make a big difference actually <laughs> no, they're no, really no. Yeah, they're actually no yeah. i don't i actually got one and give me, i gave it give me your fourth. anyway right, fourth, fourth. Uh, a mattress topper we'll pop that right, away. Fine, <laughs> brilliant. which is the small thing that makes a big difference okay and um other weird things that would sum me up as a as a Genie. One. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah um, uh, well, let me think. There's a particular obsession I have with. Uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, the hook on the back of a lavatory door. Very good. Great. It's a really weird one, which is 
one of the reasons I think Scandinavia is great is nothing to do with all the socialism crap, yeah. okay? <laughs> it's actually because the attention paid to design in mm. Scandinavia okay. simply improves everything at mm. every level. When you arrive, I don't know if you go there a lot. No. One of the tragedies, again, talking about things that are underrated, okay, no one in Britain ever goes to, because we tend to take our holidays in. Um, it's expensive, uh, that's why I don't well, go. Actually, that's perception. I've been to Norway. I've been to Sweden. No, 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 Norway's, Norway's bonkers. Expensive. Norway's totally Sweet, bonkers. Sweden's, yeah. right. uh, Sweden's actually Sweden's not that expensive yeah, anymore. And it's incredibly, if you go there in the summer, it's light until two o'clock in the morning, so you yeah. get a really long holiday because you get lots of daylight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is what I mean about reframing things yeah. you know okay it might rain a bit but if you've got 20 hours of daylight it doesn't really matter if it rains for three of them yeah you know and um uh, but also the attention paid to design is extraordinarily important i mean the yeah. fact that when you go to copenhagen airport you know there's not a single ugly chair and there are lots yeah. of different kinds of okay. chairs so you can choose which one you sit to. and yeah. the floor's made out of wood yeah, yeah. okay so walking on it so yeah i think that's sim i mean it's a bit weirder for me i mean yeah. there are some weird aspects there are some that, aspects you know, I'm not too keen on like sea creatures in pornography that kind of thing oh. but but yeah, no yet. generally well actually no let me ask you but, i think we've but, got two more questions okay yeah um i'm going to ask you no, just just to explain the hook on the back of the language oh, sorry, yes, specific when i go yeah, to a yeah. country my heuristic for judging its attention to detail is when you close the, the door in a lavatory cubicle what are the odds that, that there's a hook there yeah. Yeah. now in scandinavia it's 100 percent yeah, yeah. In fact, I did once close the door and there wasn't one, and I was a bit baffled, and then there were two on the side wall, right. as if to yeah. make up for it. But <laughs> that kind of shit, which makes a huge difference, because you know, you don't have to put your bag down in yep. a pool of wee, yep. all that sort of stuff. That's good. So, after living things, so everything, in, there's been a disaster, your house is going down, but you can go and grab three things, three of your things, what would they be? Uh, tragically, and I think the answer would be the same for lots of people, um, your laptop, yeah. actually. Yeah. Now, ridiculously, funnily enough, I don't need to rescue my laptop rationally because it's a Chromebook yeah. and everything's in the everything's cloud. The Chromebook, yeah. by the way, is beautiful. It's like the Zen version, strictly against WPP's <laughs> IT policy. But ironically, I was the one person who wasn't hacked because I had this Chromebook. <laughs> so technically, I don't need to rescue it, but weirdly, I'd rescue it because I'm so fond of it yeah. and because it's That's necessary lovely. for functioning. Yeah. Um, and there are a few other weird things, like a signed, dedicated photograph by Martha Reeves of the Vandellas. Oh, wow. And uh, a few lovely. weird things like that. And weirdly, of course, what's fascinating about what you would and wouldn't rescue yeah. is it's got very little to do with material value, hasn't yes. it? Yes. So, so, so give, me, give us a third one. I like the Martha Reeves. Well, give me a third one. Um, there's also so we've also got a signed a signed photo of um, of Al Boli, which is a bit of a weird one. Who's uh, Al Boli? The, the 1930s English. Well, he's actually Greek Lebanese crooner. Right. So if you know the end of The Shining, yes, uh, that's Owl good. singing there, wow. uh, Midnight and the Stars and You and so forth. So I'd probably rescue that as well because it's the things, weirdly, that are irreplaceable. Uh, absolutely yes. irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this our the last question? The last question, the, last question. The, the nearly last question, penultimate question. We're going to give you a billboard. You can put it anywhere you like. What would it, where would you put it and what would it say? Okay, so you closed me down when I went into uh, anti-female fashion you, argument. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a very wealthy Epicurean, I think in ancient Greece or Rome, Alan de Botto mentions, who used to actually spend his money, I'm not making this up, yeah. doing anti-materialistic advertising. Okay. And so you go to the Roman equivalent, the Agora or whatever it was, yeah. and there'd be this ruddy great poster posted by an Epicurean going, basically this isn't going to make any difference to your happiness. This right. is all fleeting yeah. and trivial. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, now, so, so running an Epicurean advertising campaign would be interesting. Mm. I also 
think there is a debate, which is, um, uh, all I'm interested in, one of the things I'm really interested in, by the way, one of the things I didn't include is Sherlock Holmes. I mentioned cryptic crosswords. Sherlock Holmes, uh, 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 detective fiction, puzzles, basically, of which the Sherlock Holmes things are still really the best. Yeah. But the concept of the dog that doesn't bark in the night is really interesting because that's half of my kind of creative methodology is if you if you can put yourself into the mind of a kind of alien and go this is really weird from an alien perspective the fact that we don't use moist lavatory paper which is ridiculous disgusting I remember you talking about this in an IPA talk that I went to when I first started a long time ago so you know I mean, even your dog, right, drags its ass along some moist grass to clean its bum. But yeah. humans use dry paper. We wouldn't use dry paper to clean our laptop. We wouldn't use dry yeah. paper to clean... You know, if we if we got mud on our hands in the garden, we wouldn't go, let me rub them very vigorously. Yeah. For some reason, Japanese are excluded here because they've mastered toilet technology. <laughs> yeah. My wife won't let me buy one. That's my that's my, one of my dreams. The but Japanese I think they're about well, a brand. She, 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 I think she doesn't want us to become known as like the people the with people the weird with the toilet. toilet yes. Okay, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. So but, billboards, but but things that don't bark in the night. Right. And one of the things that is strange is I was uh, funny enough. I think it was a media con meeting because you've got quite a large luxury goods practice, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And I see this um, this graph. And it's worldwide expenditure on fashion and beauty. Yeah. Okay. Worldwide expenditure. And I'm going, hold on a second. There are thousands down the y-axis, right? And they're billions. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And then at the top, it says billions at the top of the thing. It, and then I go, hold on a second. No, that's not a mistake. The worldwide expenditure on this stuff is $3 trillion. Yes. Dollars. Yeah. Okay. Now, none of it is strictly speaking necessary. Okay. This yeah. isn't clothing, yeah. as in to protect you no. from the yeah. cold. Okay. Yeah. It's pure signalling stuff in yeah. terms of cosmetics, beauty, yeah. um, fashion brands. Now, okay. Just imagine for a second, okay, if guys had a similar indulgence, because this is mostly female expenditure. It's more than the world spends on education, by the way. If you add it all up, okay. Wow. Now, all I'm saying is, let's imagine there's a funny world where Women didn't spend much money on clothes and fashion because they didn't have to. Because I've tried to ask people in Ogilvy this. Would you be happier if you could just wear dungarees every day? Because I said it would work for everybody. You wouldn't have to worry about what yeah. to wear. And our office would look like the headquarters of a James Bond villain, which would be really cool, <laughs> yeah. you see, if we could just wear... I, I found in love. I, I would like... You'd like uniform. that. I'd the like freedom, uniform. So yeah. the freedom. But then I'd the have uniform. it designed yeah. by one of those mm. designers that you're probably about to... That would be okay, dis. you see. Maybe I mean, Vivian Westwood. A Vivian Westwood <laughs> mouse suit, <laughs> for example. Yeah, yeah. something like that would be okay. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not, I'm not killing this as a source of pleasure on yeah. a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I'm not saying... Yeah. You know, even guys, you know, guys like getting dressed up it's okay what proportion of that fashion competition is voluntary i.e this is fun yeah and what proportion of it is actually a product of social pressure yeah. in my daughters okay uh, you know I, when my daughter announced she was a feminist i thought that's brilliant because at least you'd be really quick leaving the house no 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 she's apparently like modern feminism means you spend like hours putting <laughs> yeah. stuff on i don't i don't quite get it this is it. what a feminist looks like apparently <laughs> yeah, no, it throws me up. i thought oh brilliant pair of dr martins some dungarees will be in the car oh, no time. we but really need to get away from the gender stereotypes no, 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 sorry, sorry, what sorry, you're sorry. going to put on the poster <laughs> no, i'm teasing i know Please. i know, okay. I know. <laughs> but, it's almost irresistible but what part of it what part of it is 
actually involuntary. As sure. Really now, if you imagine a similar thing with men, where, uh, for example, three billion was spent on drones by yeah. men, and 90% of the high street consisted of drone shops, and men said things like, and of course we've got Barry's wedding at the weekend, so I'll need to buy a new drone. Yeah. Okay. I think people would criticise this and say, hold on a second, this oh, has got to stop. Do you stop. not think men and watches? Uh, oh, no, no, it happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. In fact, well, that's, of course, the only... Do, do, you know the, do you know an interesting thing said by the Swiss luxury watch trade? What really terrifies them yeah. is that other jewellery becomes acceptable on men. Yes. Mm. That, because, because they live the in terror yeah. of the fact the Swiss on, yeah. uh, watch and industry... It's, I think it's it might be OK for me to wear, like, you know, massive... Pearls. I mean, yeah. a wrapper. Funnily yeah. enough, you know, the wrapper yeah. internally yeah. inside me yeah. would quite like to wear an enormous yeah. gold crucifix oh, or something. Yeah. I, I would suit you. It would, wouldn't it, actually? Actually, yeah. really yeah. would. Yeah, it would. And, and, your, and your wife is... is is a reverend, isn't yes, she? Yes, is. yes, so, yes. So yes. it would be I mean, very in character. It, it's actually very sense. interesting, by the way, because a lot of this, what you might call the prevention of conspicuous uh, consumption, rivalrous conspicuous yeah. consumption, the origin of Christian communion, by which I mean you have bread and wine, yeah. arose because in the early church people started dining together and then they started to sort of battle to outdo each Escalated. other. Yeah. So one yeah. person. So the actual bread and wine thing arose as a form of limitation on consumption. It's a bit like the, yeah. the, there's a group of people in near Sevenoaks who have this weird party where you're only allowed to bring cheese and something else. Now, people bring quite exotic cheese, bet, yeah. but it's kept to a reasonable minimum yeah. because no one suddenly starts bringing a massive tort or something yeah. along. And so, yeah, some sort of ad campaign which actually created two fashion-free days. You'd okay. have to start small. Mm, okay. Do you think it could, because, because I have asked seriously about this, which is that, and don't get me wrong, a huge part of it's fun. And, I, and what I'm not doing is imposing some sort of Maoist restriction on uh, the enjoyment of fashion, which yeah. I think is important. But there is a question with any kind of spiralling competition of this kind, which is where does it all end? I think, by the way, this applies to the workplace. I think an awful lot of work is presenteeism. I think an awful lot of activity, if you look, if you go around an office and you actually ask really cynically of someone sitting in the screen, is this somehow adding economic value or is it done basically to make me look good? Undoubtedly, if you were to eliminate um, any kind of work that wasn't smart work. Yeah. You would, you, we'd have you, a three-day week. You, well, and, yeah. and, and the competitive advantage and the profitability and the... Yeah, yeah easier said than done. But you'd start with fashion-free days. Uh, it's just an experiment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Final. And on that... On that... Oh, no, well... Oh, well actually, books, books you wanted, didn't you? We well, do, we do, we do. But it's just, this is going to be our longest podcast. We're going to need... By a long way. But just give me the title answers. of your favourite book. Two, um, for pure ple for pure <laughs> pleasure, not enlightenment, Tibor Fisher, Under the Frog, is one oh, of the most frog. fantastic. I think it was a Booker Prize nominee. Yeah. Incredibly funny and brilliant. And still my favourite years later. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, influence, various ones... Funny enough, although I disagree with him on most things, Dawkins' The Selfish Gene, sure. because I mentioned the crosswords earlier, it's a way of look of, of achieving enlightenment yeah. by looking at the world from a different standpoint. Sure. In this case, the gene-centred view of evolution. Sure. Okay. Then um, there's the next question. Sorry, Rory. <laughs> okay, is who would you choose to have... Uh, who would you choose to play you in a film about your life? Uh, someone jokingly said that all the actors that would play me are already dead because it'd be someone like Sidney Greenstreet or James Robertson Justice or someone like that. Fine. But no, James Robertson Justice there or Robert go. Morley would have been good there as we well. Go. Yeah, there we go. 
And the final one is we have these, you've already mentioned them, Alan de Boitons, they're from the School of Life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if you could pick one, read random, it out. Random, random question. And then answer it, please. You're given the opportunity, funnily enough, I've answered this already, you're given the opportunity to give your 16-year-old self some career advice. What would you say? Um, um, Chush. I think I'm going to answer this the same way. Ask Jeremy Bullmore once. Did he, you know? Did did he regret anything? And the one thing he did say is that he probably should have spent two years in, you know, the U.S. in Chicago or mm. somewhere overseas. I probably have made the mistake of not living overseas for a couple of years. Mm. Um, it didn't work out as it happened. I suppose it's not close to me. I've got a few years left, yeah. but. Um, uh, that would probably have been a shrew, uh, a, a sensible move. Yeah. Uh, you know, not necessarily China, as Martin yeah. Sorrell said. You know. Yeah. Um, I always remember him saying, you know, people ask me where should my son go and work, and I say the answer's obvious. <laughs> you know. Now, yeah. you know, my argument was, hold on, saying, uh, Martin, uh, what about somewhere you can vote and stuff? <laughs> you know, there are other considerations yeah. other than annual GDP growth. Yeah. You know, my actual advice to an eighteen-year-old would be go somewhere where there are lots of more attractive women than there are attractive men. So. Mm. That would be, Nottingham say, Finland University. or Fine. Yeah, Nottingham That'd University, be, yeah, famously, yeah, yeah. two to one. Nottingham University is two to one. Yeah, of course, and also Boots is there as well, which Boots probably helps there. if you're into the older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, no, no. So Nottingham actually, there we are. That's very good advice. Thank you. <laughs> you see, I I, we've got, we, we should have a cheap, cheap rail tickets to Bath and where to go to university. I, I love that with Sherry on the way. Fantastic. So just to end on this, I was talking to an economist. <laughs> the, I'm meant to be uh, the Australian one who economist. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Gruen. He reminded me that um, Benjamin Franklin wanted to start a society for the propagation of useful knowledge. Yeah. And actually, um, a, a genuinely, a kind of club which gives you valuable heuristics and decision-making tips, which are, that Nottingham University one is fantastic, um, is, um, uh, is a complete gap in the education area. Isn't you know, that, there's tons of theoretical uh, stuff being is, isn't laid on na- Isn't that now the internet, Rory? Yeah, it's not doing it very well because I don't think I don't think anybody's curating it adequately. But I, um, I think we should have a new internet. Uh, um, I'm going to end the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good one. Which I think we should make well, a WPP well, created internet. Tim Tim Berners Lee's created one. This was he? my. I told you this a long time ago. Yeah. I don't show you don't. Well, he, he Tim Berners Lee's got a kind of what I would have done different internet. Yes. Yeah, he's, 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 he's just uh, uh, launching it. Isn't he's it? just launching. Well, it's funded differently. Well, it's not funded at all, and it's uh, which is the, which is the question mark about mm-hmm. it. But the um, I'll, I'll send you the article I read about it. But um, uh, it's it's where you uh, your data is your own, basically, is the principle of it. So you so you it's it's little pods of uh, privacy. Yes. Um, so and, and so what you can release data on an ad hoc basis, anonymized or not, but you have complete control. I have to send. I, I, We'll, set, we'll share it. We'll share okay, it. It's fantastic. Really yeah. Yeah. Right. I always thought the model for advertising should be to reverse the polarity so that actually people share their data with a trusted intermediary or indeed donate it to charity, which might be an interesting mm. thing to do. I think you should. And you are simply, you charge people for your attention. Yeah, well, it should be like a Mac code, you know, when you change between phones. With, um, yes. It should be you change with your data. Right. Rory, thank you very much. This it's has been, been brilliant. brilliant. It always has been. Yeah, thank fantastic. you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>